This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 721, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Big train, big train, do you want to ride my big train? Hello, welcome to my fanboy pick of the week, episode 721. I am Connor Kilpatrick, and Josh Flanagan is back. That's not what the script says. You definitely weren't burying the dead bodies of the pollsters who came to your house last week. I, I wasn't. Definitely not. There, listen, as far as I'm concerned, the election's over for me. <laughs> the, the primary, whatever, uh, first election. All I know is the phone has stopped ringing. Elections. That's all I know. That's pretty my, good. My mail has gone down considerably. When you're like, Mike Bloomberg, what are you doing in my closet? <laughs> right. Hanging out with Tom Steyer. <laughs> we are a fanboy. <laughs> it was, there was a moment, I, that pause just was like, do we want to continue with this? And then we both went, probably not a good idea. And we had that conversation in complete silence and no eye contact. That's right. Everything was said was in, in silence. We read our comics and one of us picks the best book they read. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books in the week, do some patron picks and listener mail things. It'll be fun. We definitely won't talk about the election or we, we covered the coronavirus last week. We won't do that again. Oh, good. Because we had a scientist on. So, oh, 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 did he then talk about science? Oh, there was definitely science talk. Yeah, I bet there was. Well, we had a book about gemstones. So that, that there's a lot of naturalistic and in context science talk. Righteous. Where am I in the script? It'll be fun. This is your spoiler warning. It's a review <laughs> show. There'll be some spoilers. Use your brain. Josh, you had the pick on a big week of releases. Yeah, I, I got to say, I I could have gone several directions, I think. I could have gladly, you know, two people that I, I know fairly well both released number ones with Strange in the title. Yeah, was uh, Also both lettered by Clayton Cowles. But whichever... Um, and we will talk about those books later. But in the end, uh, my pick was Doctor Doom, number six. And really, panel two, I was like, oh, shit. This is... Well, I read this and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, just I want to set the stage here is that uh, Texas, 48 miles north w- northwest of uh, Terlingua, we see a train as the sun sets going through the desert. And in the second, we see an open box car, and in it, like hobos, are are Doctor Doom and Kang having a chat. I don't even remember in, how they got to this point. But in it doesn't really matter. Th- in, it doesn't. No, does not matter. And then in panel three, they're both looking wistfully. <laughs> now I don't know how you do that with a robot face, but they did it. Salvador uh, Loro, we don't often uh, compliment his work in this way, but good job. Uh, yeah. I gotta say, like, I don't feel like it has been a, um, a hindrance in this series at all. No. You know, I've just gone along with it. There, I mean, let's just get it out of the way. The Doom suit design is terrible. <laughs> End of that. Let's, uh, we don't have to talk about it anymore. We're just like, we accept that. Yeah. That's fine. So, so Doom and Kang are on a road trip. Uh, they disintegrate some yokels. That's a great uh, sequence. I, I think he, he, I think he killed Kid Rock. Actually, 
did you, we've probably talked about this. Did you know that Christopher Cantwell, the writer, is the co-creator of Halt and Catch Fire? Yes, I did. All right. I think I forgot that. And I've been trying to figure out if that makes me more uh, uh, susceptible to this. It makes me, you know, it it, it leans into my favor. And just because we're clear, uh, Halt and Catch Fire uh, is is one of the greatest shows of the last decade uh, with some of the best character work I've seen, you know, in modern history. Uh, and, and it destroyed me at the end in a well, good way. I, I'm going to say no because I totally forgot that he was. Yeah, and enjoyed it for the work itself, and well, f- and for the way the way Kang has been used. I totally I th- forgot about it. I think the thing that impresses me about it is that this does not seem like the work of a successful television producer who is moonlighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is, you know, oh, you know who these characters are. You you know how this works. So you know, there honestly, two, and there are two great gags that use the comic medium really well. Yes. The first is. Well, in reverse order, that would be the one you just talked about where Doom incinerates two yokels who make fun of him. And I, I have to admit, it was a little – I would I, have a hard time believing they wouldn't know who Dr. Doom was. But that put that aside, uh, He that was a great <laughs> sequence. And also, in the very beginning when they're on the train, two, two actual hobos use some – I've, I've got to assume 1930s-esque techniques to jump on the train – one of them joins them in the boxcar and says, hey, uh, may, I, may I share this car with you? That's, cut cut that's, to him being boinked out of the car. <laughs> yes. And then the, the sound effect is, no! <laughs> I, I, I do have to correct you there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, is one hobo that is a sequence that oh, is showing two hobos. That, that's an art problem. It looks like there's two guys climbing the thing. Not an art problem. That is just, I, I think that worked. But either way. Um, also, that old the, man's dead. Oh, yeah. No, he's – yeah. But I don't think that that concerns Doom or Kang. No, no. These I'm are, just saying he's got the old brittle bones of someone who just doesn't have enough calcium and he's – Sure. He's been kicked into the into the stratosphere. Can I honestly tell you I have no idea what the plot was in this? I there, don't know where they were going. It seemed like it was a um, – mostly an excuse to have them together and then yeah. talking about parentage and lineage because they're really – it. I don't. Like I said, I forgot the end of the last issue, so I don't know why they're they're on this road trip through to, through Texas. But it's mostly an excuse to have them, with with minimal distraction, talking about is Kang Doom's father? Is Doom Kang's father? Is Kang Doom's son? Is Kang, Kang Reed Richards' Richard's father? Son, father? Yeah. Like all kinds of <coughs> Kang rumors, and then have them uh, confronted by Paladin, an old Marvel villain, and the guy with the eyeballs, and then some random dude in a crop duster shows up and gives doom the ultimate nullifier somehow. None of it really, I don't really care. Well, that, that is the point. Like it was like, you know, the, the old thing is you take two interesting people and you put them in a room and that has been the crux of this mini series that has been the best part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you have the turn, you know, where the ultimate nullifier arrives, Kang, you know, shoots doom and, and takes it and, and, you know, and then Doom puts in a call to Reed Richards, which is, you know, it's a, that's a, in chagrin, obviously. That's going to be a tough one. She mentioned du- Kang's gun is called the Ultra Diode, which when shot, saps the victim of their will. And I feel like we've all been shot by the Ultra Diode. I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like they come off iPhones. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a feature. Um, 
you know, there's just a lot of little delightful moments in that, in this, uh, the eye character, I believe he's called orb. Uh, he speaks, you know, very, I see all it's, like, it's just, he keep, yeah, he just keeps saying it over and over again. I see all and all is not good. I should stop trying. You know, it's fun. It's silly, but it's, you know, the, the doom and Kang thing where everything they say is arch and serious, uh, you know, and it's played tonally. It's played just right. Um, in, you know, we're in the, we're in the tank for a good Kang story, but I, I would, I would have a hard time thinking that any sort of Marvel comic book reader has been a really long time. Couldn't find fun in this. Yeah. And the thing is like, Kang is fun for a reason. There's a lot of mystery to Kang. We know his quote unquote real name. We don't really know, like, like we discussed here, his lineage, how he fits in. There's always been rumors about who he really is. And, and so that's a fun conversation to have with a guy like Doom. And also, it's a quite an arc for this issue where we start off their their hobo buddies in a train. They're they're roasting mm-hmm. wild game over a ad hoc fire on the out in the prowl the prairie, and then by the end of it, Kang is shooting Doom, and Doom is shanking Kang in the neck with a you know <laughs> something, and that's you know it falls apart. So I thought the issue was really fun. And then you're right at the end, he's got to swallow his pride and and uh, go to go to Reed for help. Or at least go to read blue- for a conduit to help. And then the Blue Marvel is there, a character who I do not to this day understand one bit. Right. Uh, I, I recognize he's sort of a very powerful character who, who shows up sometimes. Uh, that, was- that, that horse has not has got to be, not be happy that Doom rides him off because Doom's got to be real heavy. Uh, you know, I don't know. He, he has advanced tech. Maybe that armor is surprisingly light. Maybe. Or, you know, he's got spells. It's all sorts of things. He wants the horse to perform optimally. If you want to, <laughs> might not need a horse. If you want a comic where Doom and Kang ride a box, boxcar, Doom rides a horse across the prairie. There's there's deep meaningful conversation about you know historical Marvel things, and then a dude in the crop that shows up with the ultimate nullifier. This is your comic. I think the thing that's fun about both of these characters is that. They both speak in that uh, that high toned, you know, they're above everything and everybody, and they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing when villains do that, and they're not, you know, no, Mister Bond, I expect you to die. You know, like, but you know, with Doom, like, well, he kind of earns it, and then, but then he kind of always loses. So it's funny. Right. And then Kang, you just don't know. He is super powerful. You don't really. He's completely ambiguous. You don't know where he's coming from. You don't know who he is. You know, he's only interested in how Kang is great. And it's hard to argue with him about that. <laughs> this is great. I mean, yep. uh, you you messaged me when you started reading this issue. And I was like, yep, because I had read it a little while earlier. Like, Here it is. Here we go. Because, <laughs> you know, it's a big week of comics in terms of big high profile releases for several reasons. And then this one comes along and I was like, uh-oh, we're going to have an upset. And we did. Yeah. Is this, uh, what is it, the scalped no it's not that bad no but i'm sure not people expected it you know if you had a a, if if there was an iFanboy pick of the week board in a vegas you know sports book doom would have been you know i I don't know Uh, somebody who's been paying attention though sure could you you've been you could see this you could see sure i'm not saying i wouldn't have made it my pick of the week yeah that's how good it is yeah so that being accepted, that was just a fun old time. Yep. Uh, I could have easily made a case uh, for Strange Adventures number one, uh, the new miniseries from 
uh, uh, Tom King, uh, Mitch Garrods, and Doc Shaner as we're spending some time with Adam Strange, which feels like we've been leading there in a zeitgeisty sort of way. Um, For sure. Black what did Label. You think? Out, of ca- out of continuity. Um, Vertigo. Vertigo. I, I think it's somewhat similar to the beginning of Mr. Miracle. I just had to pause to make sure I didn't say Miracle Man. Uh, yeah. In that... We know the I mean we know the high concept. They've talked about it enough, but we don't quite know exactly what's happening yet. And mm-hmm. so in that sense, when I finished reading it, I thought that was really good. I'm sure this is going to be really good. I don't think I don't know that this would have been my pick of the week because of because I think it's it's very much like I don't I remember you having this more of a problem than I did for Mr. Miracle, but I'm not sure what I'm reading yet. And I have that then that's me with this book. So and again, I know what the the pitch is. I know it's all about truth and the lies you tell yourself and the reality versus fiction. I know all that. I know the high. You concept. know that because you've read about it. Yes. See, I don't do that. So well, I don't. The, I mean, it, it was just it's just been in the zeitgeist. It's like you yeah, yeah, you yeah. follow Tom King on Instagram and the Scareds. You know these things. If you right. you know, they just they just it just they've been pu- pu- you know plucking the hell out of it. So, if anything, I don't know if it's a criticism. But the thing that held me back from being like, wow, is that I, I had a little bit hoped like we were going to do a different thing, which we are. But it is also very reminiscent because it is Tom King and Mitch Garrods mm-hmm. of of Mr. Miracle from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are jumping around in time. We are jumping around in place. Um, it's a life. Yeah. Uh, you know, and right now, honestly. Uh, you know, I don't know if I could tell you much of a difference. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's Adam it's Strange more that. similar to between this book and Mister Miracle than Mister Miracle and the Vision. Absolutely. Even though the Vision's also ostensibly about a guy and his wife, and the and the truth about their himself. So yes. it, it's definitely a milieu that they that he works in in these. And stories. I I don't have a problem with that, but no. it does mean that you're going to have to work a little harder. To make it stand out in a way and tell me why I'm reading. Or if each, each successive volume has to work harder. That's for sure. Yes, ex- absolutely. Uh, one of the things that they did to make that so is that uh, all the stuff back, all the stuff on Earth now is drawn by Mitch, and all the stuff on Ran and the battles is drawn by uh, Evan Doc Shaner. Um, and I think that you and I can safely say that our uh, lobbying for him. <laughs> Uh, has not been wrong. No, and I'm glad he's finally on a super high profile book because he's been on. He's had some here and there. He's usually like, let's. We need a guy who draws like the, the Silver Age, and here he is. But this is probably his highest profile. Piece. Like I, I dig Mitch's work, and I think you know, I think this is. I think his work keeps getting better, or at least it's extremely appropriate for what he's doing. I think he's doing the right thing. Um, you know that that shot that they keep repeating of mm-hmm. um, Adam at, at the desk at the signing. You know, it's a great shot. It says a lot. And also, you know, everybody involved with this, making this, knows what that is and what it feels like and how you've got to put on that mask and do the thing. And then you cut back to, you know, God, the work that, that Shaner did during the battle scenes. I just was, I'm looking and I'm like, why is he not a superstar? Right. That is insane to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's A plus beautiful level work. He shouldn't, it, I, I mean, I know it's been a while since he was on that Dynamite book, but 
he should be a lot higher up the chain than that. And especially in an industry that's really struggling to find people who can do the job. I agree. From, from an art side specifically, uh, I mean, it really it it's you know this is maybe the closest thing I have to scratching the Darwin itch. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of style of this kind of superhero stuff, there's there's a lot of that in here. That, that sort of new frontier. It's a little less cartoony, but. Boy, so it's, you, it's got that flavor. If you didn't read it, uh, I was going to say Doctor Strange. Adam Strange is on a book signing tour for his not his his book called Strange Adventures, which is about his time as being the hero of Rand. And while on tour, someone confronts him and says, "I know the truth. You what you did uh, you what you did on Rand. You how many died? You t- you tortured how many died because of you? They were left in the, cages. The pricks." Or something like that. The picked, picked The pricks are different. That'd be funny. There was a different. There was a, there was a very similar uh, word in uh, Red Sonia this week. I think it's the picked P Y K K T. And so oh, yeah. that becomes a viral moment. And so then people start accusing him of lying in his book. And he, um, you know, while he's getting the Congressional Medal of Freedom of Honor from the president and being feted all around D.C. where where Tom King lives, and Good. Um, so he goes to Batman and says, oh, and then the guy confronts him is found murdered. His yep. head, his head has, has been zapped off by a ray gun, which of course is what, uh, Adam Strange carries in the best possible way. And so he gives, he wants Batman to take the gun <laughs> and say, you know, prove this wasn't me. And Batman says, ah, <laughs> and so he ends up hooking him up at the, and the cliffhanger is that he hooks him up with Mr. Terrific to investigate the murder. I I very much enjoyed the visual introduction of of Mr. Terrific there. Yes. See that Perfect. arm says fair play on it. And you know the uh, Batman was basically is like I, I already know you and like you so I'm biased. I can't do it, which is fair. Um I also like the way that Mitch drew Batman in that scene. Um, Scowly. Yeah, sort of good grimacy dark Batman. So there's a couple of things I, I noticed about this book. One is it's extremely modern in that if you look on almost every page uh, in the modern world, someone is on their cell phone. Yeah, like that's sure. a, that's something you don't see usually in comics that much. But Adam and Alana, his wife, whenever they're al- alone in their hotel room or whatever, they're both on their phone. The people in the line in line to get his book signed are on their phone. Um, and he loves being in Ran. Well, it's much more fun, right? No, it's just a, like a better world and everything. You know, and they come back here, and that's the difference. I think that's an that's an that's a great uh, observation on your part. I just and noticed that. I mean, obviously, you know, on, in the celebrity part parts, but then I noticed that whenever, except for the part where they're having dinner together, whenever him and his wife are alone, one of them at least is on their phone. Yep. Also, I, Mitch should get a, a nice a special Eisner for this for the movement lines. I mean, he did. He's doing beautiful work. Yeah. It's. He was good, and he just keeps getting better, and it's really great. They've already won their Eisner. So me saying last time, like, somebody give this guy an Eisner, which they did, by the way, um, you know, it holds. I don't know what the next is, Eisner Plus. Um, but, but you know, the, it was a really good comic book. It was a yes. really nice package. I'm looking forward to more of it. Uh, you know, we don't quite know what it is yet, but that doesn't bother me and at the, all. And the thing is, like, as we said, with each successive volume, if you're exploring the same themes and stuff, you're going to have to – I don't, I don't. I don't subscribe to the idea that you have to be better every time. Sometimes your your best is the first thing you do, or the second thing. You, you well, do. you you have to be better if you're going to do the same, or at least be 
twist Maybe it up not. a bit. So right now, I don't, I don't. Right now, I need. I want to see more before I before I start lavishing the, the amount of praise on it that I did for Mr. Miracle. Yeah, it was very yeah, good. But, it was very good. Yeah, but also we have no reason to doubt that it. Was no, great. I have no, 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 not at all. Although, I mean, you were certainly not a big fan of the um. Different story. Uh, Heroes in Crisis. This is a very different yeah, kind of story. Yeah, no, I know, but but sort of this style. Heroes of in Crisis. The problem that was the the uh, idea, mm-hmm. but not the execution. The idea. Also, it should be noted that the the Picts P I C T S mm-hmm. uh, were a confederation of Celtic speaking peoples who there lived in go. what now Eastern. It's almost as if uh, the uh, these comics were, um, you know, I can't think of words. It doesn't matter. And also, the, the picks very much uh, um, are similar to the ones in the story. Yeah. The um, what's you know what are, what what's the word? I can't think of words. That's fine. I, it's not even hot. Oh, you missed the first hot show of the year. It was last week. I I did see that that was a that was a theme. It was ninety so. degrees here. The other strange uh, by uh, our our pal Scotty Young uh, with the art by uh, Humberto Ramos. Uh, strange Academy number one. Uh, Marvel really pulled out all the stops on this one. Like, I got a mailing, as did you, of the comic book prior to publication. And, and, and uh, behind the scenes, this is very unusual. That's never happened. Marvel does From- not send out promotional or copies or review copies of anything. It's very difficult to get I was things. very confused when I, op- when I saw the envelope, which said Strange Academy yeah. on it. And then I was very confused when I opened it. And there was an issue of Strange Academy inside of it. Like, DC does that a lot. Other companies will do that. Marvel will never. Has this is we've been doing this for for fifteen long, years, long. and Marvel has never done that before. Which is interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, well, geez, I don't know what to expect out of this. Um, and I guess in, in you know, to be fair, I was I was reading it, and I thought it is just it's just a comic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a ground breaking sort of type of comic that I thought, oh, this is going to set the world on fire. But let's not forget, I think when Scotty wrote Rocket Raccoon 1, it sold like 300,000 copies or well, something. I think it was in Loot Crate, I think. That's why. Anyway, uh, I, I I really enjoyed it, though. Yeah, and I actually wasn't going to read it. So, I'm, so <laughs> the, <laughs> that's, it worked. So it worked. I wasn't going to read it. I hadn't planned on it. And they sent the copy. I was like, well, fuck, they did that. So I should, I should read it. So yeah, this is a story of it's basically like, yeah. you know, uh, that X Men book that was set in a school. Well, I can't yeah. I, again. I I no longer can recall things, but it was the same kind of situation where all a bunch of ma- kids who have magical powers who you know are, are discovered and brought to this magic school in New Orleans, run by Doctor Voodoo and Velma from Doctor Strange, and um, Doctor Velma Zelma Zelma Velma. She looks like Velma from Scooby Doo. Selma, and a bunch of other magical uh, faculty. It's the it's the X it's forming of the X Men. It's Harry Potter book. plus X Men divided yep. by YA books. Yeah, um, and and even though that setup is pretty standard comic book fare, mm-hmm. I I really I found myself really turning the page and enjoying it in, in a way that I don't know that I can fully explain because I can't tell you what's super unique about it i think it's very interesting that that scotty 
uh, has become a really strong writer. Yep. I mean, like he's kind of punching up with everybody else. He's holding his own weight. Um, Umberto Ramos really did a I'm nice. I'm a big book. fan of Umberto Ramos. I've always been a big fan of his. I, know I he- am too, but it wasn't. It was almost like less stylized than normal. Not a lot. Just like the edge came off. Just oh a yeah, no, the people aren't crazy exaggerated. They're exaggerated, but they're not like. Yeah, like twenty, like fifteen years ago, Humberto Ramos. Um, on the impressive line, I think we got introduced to a shit ton of characters, and I did not feel lost because of that. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are a lot of characters in this, and I thought it was handled really well. In that, it wasn't like wow, this is amazing, but it was just really smooth. Um, you know. Well, it's, it's a standard thing where you introduce a bunch of new kids who come to the school. There's one main girl who's sort of our conduit, but you meet everyone. And, you know, one of them's a frost giant, and one of them is the son of uh, Dormammu. And There's two Asgardian twins who are dressed like the preppy assholes. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. The, 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 the faculty includes Hellstrom and Nico from Runaways and Scarlet Witch and Magic and Shaman. So this is... They're, and I don't know, and I'm you know this is the cynical side of me. I don't know if this is Marvel's pushing the magic side because they have been doing that for the last couple of years because that's where they have to go in the movies or not because they're out of Avenger characters. But definitely the magic side of Marvel has been getting a lot of push in the last couple of years, and it's I've never really traditionally been. Also, the Ancient One is like the headmaster, the second headmaster yeah. after Doctor Voodoo. Wait, uh, is the Ancient One in this the the movie version? Now that I'm thinking about no, it, no, it's the it's the old Asian. Okay, guy. okay. But, uh, you know, it's fun. I've never been a huge Magic fan traditionally, but, you know, the comics have been good. I, I enjoyed Doctor Strange this week. Like, it's been, a, it's been a good reinvention of these characters. And we are definitely living in a Doctor Strange renaissance in, in Marvel over the past, you know, handful of years. You know, it's funny because a lot of times when there's a movie that comes out like that becomes the definitive version and it's better guardians of the galaxy comes to mind um which was you know presaged by a you know a new guardians of the galaxy comic book that was 10 years ago anyway the doctor strange movie comes out cumberbatch makes a very good doctor strange not a great movie but the comics have really gotten a resurgence from that and and they've been pretty consistently good for the last handful of years yeah, and if you're someone who reads those books, this is definitely a companion book you might want to check out. Yep. Uh, it's it's definitely earned my interest for for a few issues at least. Yeah, it was uh, it was I want to say a pleasant surprise. It just like the pitch or anything didn't sound like anything I'd really like, but it's just really well done. Yeah, I think that's at the end of the day the execution one because it, like I like I said, and you just said the when it was pitched, I saw oh, I'm not really into magic school, but it was good. Yeah, it was interesting at least. So. Stick with it. Um, this week, on the other side of the numbering scale, is the Flash 750. This is the Have Your Cake and Eat It 2 numbering system. And uh, here, so here we get uh, one, two, three, four, five, six stories about the Flash. Most of them in the modern day. It's not really like a good overview style. It's it's mostly in the modern day, although there's a couple of outliers. Um, I don't know why I'm still reading the Flash. I still am... But I don't know why. Well, I mean, <laughs> habit. You know what's funny, though, is that you you checked with me, like, are you going to read Slash 750? And I, and I had looked at it, and I went, no. <laughs> and then you're like, I was like, is it really? And, and then you're like, well, you want to read it for the show? And I was like, is it particularly good? And you're like, no. 
And I was like, then I'm not doing it. Let and me... I, I looked at the names and it was all, you know, like, this is my our little trip down memory lane again. And I've I've started complaining about these these DC anthology series, which are just like, well, let these guys take a crack at it again, because heaven forfend we do something different or interesting. Well, I mean, I don't I, I don't have a problem with, with, with I'm har- it. I'm harder on, I'm harder in that than you. I know that. Anniversary books, I feel like should do this. But, uh, I mean, you get a Jeff John, Scott Collins story called Beer Run about Captain Cold. And it felt very much like it would have fit in that old run in which Captain Cold goes out for, for beer during the hockey game and uh, gets mistaken for trying to rob the beer, you know, the, the liquor store and, you know, all kinds of things ensue from that. And all he wanted was beer. And uh, it was a really good short. The opening short story was set, you know, the modern continuity, the modern team of Josh Williamson and Rafa Sandoval. I don't even remember what happened in it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, Beer Run was good. And then Manipal and Brian Bucoletto, the team that did Flash right after New 52, did a story that, again, could have been right in that, um, right in that world. And in the same way, it kind of didn't really make any kind of story impression. It just looked really good, which is how you could have described that book back then. Um, and then uh, Marv Wolfman and Riley Rossman, which is a really bizarre team up, did a, did a uh, Mirror Master story, and which was f- fun. It sort of played with the, 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 the classic Silver Age Flash image, you know, the big head Flash. Fat Flash, you know, Skinny Flash, that one comic where he got turned into a bunch of things that's often used, that played with that that idea. And then, but, my, but then the, my favorite one was at the starting line, which was Josh Williamson writing and David Marquez drawing of uh, Jay Garrick. Because now we're getting into what's coming with DC. And so they're reintroducing the Justice Society. And here we get, it's not really an origin story. It's sort of just like, there's a one-page origin about the chemicals and then he's in action and then he has a nice little conversation with Joan and it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, that was, looked great. It was fun. And it, also I should mention there's really great pinups all throughout this issue. Daily Glisham did a justice society one and there's a, there's a Mitch Garrett's one. There's a doc Shaner one. Um, it was, the pinups are great. And then the one I really wanted to talk with you about <laughs> Was flash forward epilogue? So we have we have the epilogue to the flash forward miniseries, which you and I both skipped after reading the first issue, mm-hmm. written by Scott Lobdell, drawn by Brett Booth. That was about Wally West post Heroes in Crisis. Oh right. And so, did we have to read that? I think the first issue was patron pick. That would explain why I read it. So I don't know what happened in it. Okay. I can tell you what the epilogue. What happened in the epilogue? The first page is we- Wally West sitting in the Mobius chair. Mm-hmm. Because when they don't know what to do with someone, they turn him into Mobius. Also, he has Dr. Manhattan's symbol on his forehead. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, <laughs> Atlas, after the TV show, they just need to never mention that shit in the comic books again. They just need to drop it's it. It's too late. Peter they, Parker's they, babe. They, they, they tied their whole universe change to it. So... Mm-hmm. Wally has been Nick Furyed in a very, in a, almost a very literal, literal way. He's been replaced by a black version of his character who has the same exact name mm-hmm. and turned into a cosmic being and shunted off into the cosmos in the same way that Nick happened to Nick Fury. It's almost the same exact situation. Uh, but here we have, so the whole, 
and some people don't know this because they're not investigating, and I only know it sort of by accident because we're not really reading stuff, but something is coming at DC. The whole Generation 5 story is coming, and what it is now that D'Angelo has been fired, we don't know. However, the rumor has been it's going to be changing the timeline of the DC universe, and it's already, as I mentioned in the Jay Garrick story, uh, it's happening here because he says that instead of Superman being the inspiration for DC, now it's Wonder Woman. So the, the, he opens up as he's the Flash because Wonder Woman appeared and inspired everyone. So that's one of the first changes in that in that new continuity. And so we don't know what's coming, but we do know that it's all muddled up. And in this, as well as Wally Mobius flies around the universe, he is having trouble because he is seeing two distinct timelines. So we keep cutting back and forth between the old continuity and the new continuity. So we see the formation of the Teen Titans, the the original one from the 60s, and then we also see the one from the New 52. And then we see um, we see ju- uh, the Justice Society and Legion of Superheroes. They're both back in my head. What is going on? And and it's it's all a big mess. Um, it's funny. I was reading the Flash book, and I was thinking, man, the Flash family is really fucking lame now. And they used to be one of the best things in comics. And I was, I was sort of going through all the characters in my head, and Max Mercury and Impulse and Jesse Quick and all these characters that were really t- terrific for so long. And then they get a whole page in here. It's like, oh, there they are. But then you well, have. You know, it's, that's what's interesting is that they were they managed to add more. And this happened in the early 2000s in Batman, too. They managed to add more characters without erasing the previous ones. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like now they had to add another Flash who's literally named Wally West. And I don't know what that brings other than, quote unquote, diversity. Well, it's, it, sort it's, of- it's because of the TV show. Which oh, is, is that it? Because the TV show, uh, Wally is Wally and Iris are both black in the TV show, and oh, so okay. uh, I get th- that a little bit. But, but then the funny thing was, for whatever reason, you know, human elements come into play. That he disappeared from that show real quick. So right. they changed the entire character in this comic. It's been around for fifty years because of a TV casting's a decision that was then gotten rid of very quickly. Huh. So now we're stuck with this character because of that. Um, and the old guy's flying around in a chair somewhere in, the, in space. Well, you know, but it, it's the same thing where, you know, now you've got Damien. But, you know, back in the day, you had you had a bunch of different characters in that Batman family, and they didn't cancel each other out. Like, right. I feel like there's a way to do it. And that way is not Duke, but still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I want to make this absolutely clear. It has nothing to do with Duke being of a different race than the other superheroes. It's that Duke is silly. There's and as a silly name, and he yeah. looks silly, and I don't know what he's there for. Um, he's called know. the signal, Josh. I don't know what that means. So, um, like his like head's like a beacon. It'd be better if it, that was what it was. It was like a patron power. So um, he 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 runs into Tempest, one of the one of those like cosmic you know god characters, and and co- he's like uh, everything is as it always was uh because that's the whole con- rumored the whole conceit is that now everything happened because they're ex- expanding the timeline and all the original characters are going to get old and aged out and the new characters are all going to be different and what you know we don't know that I mean, what's happening I, I, but we don't know there. but i mean if 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 Didio was ousted because this wasn't a good idea why are they doing it uh, we don't know. That's why he was fired. We'll, we'll never. Probably I, never I, know. Yeah, no, I know. This is. All, I guess it's all speculation. But I don't know. Also, here's what you don't do. Definitely don't do this. There's a full page shot where there's a line going down the middle, 
And on one side is the Flash and the Flash family from what we just talked about, you know, Max Mercury, Jesse Quick, Jay Garrick, Impulse. And the other side of the line is is new Wally West, old Wally West, Godspeed, all these terrible new Flash characters. And then the line bisects Flash himself. And so on one side of the line, you, th- you have him in his traditional costume. And one side of the line, you have him in his new costume. Don't make the, don't make the difference that stark. Don't put it on a page and show me <laughs> that one side is terrible and one side is one of the best costumes ever made, ever designed. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Well, you know what's interesting though. Let's t- let's you take it the other way. Is that when Williamson took over the Flash, we were like, "Wow, this guy was made to do it." No, it was great Even, for a while, you know, for sure. It was, and and I, you know, he still has the voice down and everything, but it does feel like he is a guy who's usually willing to go along with whatever the company thing is. Well, if you, and I think if you want does, to keep working, you got to do that. Well, I know, but some people, you know. They stay out of it one way or another. But you know, if you think about it, Josh has been pulled into – he did the button. He was pulled into uh, – he did the Batman, Superman. Um, the you know, with yeah. The, 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 the Batman the, laughs. That one. You know, like he's doing his level best to you know, sort of do what the company's going along. And I like I don't think the – like the books have been good, especially when he's not had to do that. That year one book was great. Yep. Uh, you know. No, he's a, he's, a, he's definitely a good writer. It's just that – and he's a good flash, right? What he's doing right now is not interesting. And so the end of the book is Tempest telling Wally that the timeline is collapsing and it risks destroying everything. And he says, can you fix it? And Wally says, my name is Wally West. I'm the fastest man alive. I sit in the Mobius chair. The power of a god races through me. So yeah, I got this. And continued in May's Generation Zero, which is a one shot that is going to lead into Generation 5. That's the rumor. So... It's all terrible. <laughs> it's all terrible. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, you can do. But it was it was really funny to be dropped in at the very end of this and see Wally in the Mobius chair with the with the watch with the Dr. Manhattan symbol on his forehead talking about he's got the power of this god in him. And I was just like, "Oh god, they did all of that." Yep. They yeah. did. They did. Let's take a quick break here. Talk about patreon.com slash ifanboy because there were some interesting developments this month. There certainly were. So uh, normally here is we talk about our next stretch goal being the monthly non-comics media podcast and uploading all the missing full-length video shows and minis to our YouTube channel and being only a couple hundred dollars away, which is the normal state of affairs. However, this month we had some crazy lunatic, we we won't name him yet, who joined up at the eccentric benefactor level, which... Um, push us push us over the stretch goal, and also earned him a place on the show, which he's going to be joining next month. So uh, for one episode, and so we've hit the stretch goal. It's a temporary stretch goal. He's just doing it for a month. So we're going to do a non comics media show, but we won't be uploading the full the shows because, like I said, it's only temporary, and that's a long process. You have to hit that stretch goal permanently for us to start uploading all the old shows. Yeah. But we will do that one episode of the Non-Comics Media Podcast for you. Absolutely. It's a promise promise made, promise kept. So we will be doing that. That will be coming out in April. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know when that's coming out. We're going to uh, – March, I guess. Uh, We're recording it in March. Okay. So I guess we should do it and keep it timely. Sure. So It's going to be a busy end of the month. Anyway, someone who is a, who is a hero – 
a hero has risen I, and joined at yeah, the eccentric oh, benefactor level. And he has pushed us over the stretch goal. He will be appearing on the show. He has unlocked this other podcast for you. So you will thank him appropriately when the time comes. That's true. One man will rise and he sh- and, and unto him he shall deliver. Now, hopefully this man is like Spartacus and inspires others to rise and decide, hey, I do like the non-comics media podcast. I would like to be on the show. So think about that as you go forward. But patreon.com slash ifanboys where that happened. And where the fun happens, we'll have our hangouts and our Facebook group and our voting. All kinds of fun things happen there. Also, t-shirt store, ifanboy.fedless.com. Our seven shirts, ifanboy logo, horror and pickly podcast ratings. If one is electro, GDAT, nothing makes sense, something matters. Those are all there. And as I said, we've had new designs are in the works. We've got a new Slack channel for it. It's all happening. ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out via PayPal directly if you want to just leave a quick donation. And fmr.com slash Amazon, you can find the links to our Booksplode books, as well as a general Amazon link. We thank everyone who supports the show. Even if you don't do it at the eccentric benefactor level, you do keep the show going. You keep Josh in a new microphone set up. Yeah, baby. And uh, we thank everyone who does that. That's how the show is, is alive and still happening because of you. That's true. Should we show, should we show move on now to, to more comics? Mm-hmm. The Strange release, Outer Darkness Chew number one, came out, and I had been noticing people saying, it's fun to return back to Chew, and I was like, what is this? And I, I hadn't really looked into it, um, but John Lehman has uh, created a new series, one of many he's done, uh, Outer Darkness, which is a sci-fi thing, which I read the first issue we of. We both read it because it was patron pay- 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 yeah. pick, but I never read any and more it, of that. And it was fine. I just didn't, I didn't really, I was, I was ambivalent. Uh, and then he'd created you. And so he's got a crossover here going. Mm-hmm. Um, what's funny is in the back of it, there's all this information about what Chew is. And I thought, you don't need to sell people on Chew. <laughs> <laughs> you need to sell people on the Outer Darkness. Chew's good. Like, you're not like Chew was extremely you know, popular and ran for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, you should have called it Chew Outer Darkness, is what you right. should have done. Uh, anyway, it was fun. Uh, you know, it was it was great to see Rob Guillory back, uh, you know, writing these characters and like be, hanging out with these guys. You know, we spent years and years with these characters, so it was fun to see them. And I was reading them, I go, boy, Tony Chu was really kind of a pill. I <laughs> sure. kind of forgot about that. Yeah, he was a he was a lot. Yeah, um, you know, and and I felt like I got what Outer Darkness was. I wasn't really lost by any of that stuff. It's just sort of uh, like magic-based Star Trek kind of. Right. Uh, you know, and, and they have a problem with food. I thought that was very imaginative. They had a, like this big scary alien diplomat that they had to deal with and you can't talk to him with words. You can only communicate with him by via food you feed him. And I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> so they they uh, they uh, go through time and space and they pull in Tony and uh, his partner whose name I don't remember with the robot eye mm-hmm. and uh, hijinks they ensue. It was fun. I had fun reading it. That's good. Yeah. Did you you didn't check this I out? I skipped it. I skipped three out of the four books we're talking about here. All right. Well, uh, let's move along. Um, Man Eaters one shot. Um, I, my my confession is that I still have the last issue of Man Eaters. Uh, I haven't read it. Um, I re- I mean I we, we liked that series we I do. we um, talked about almost every issue in the show and when it ended I thought well that was, that was enough so when I saw this one shot I was like eh well I, here's the thing that was good. one of the issues was like this it was a whole designy there magazine was like, there, was, there was like three of them that were like that okay uh, artsy kind of dealy yeah. and I remember the first one came out and I didn't like it and I thought let me see if that was just 
that week. And so I, I went for this, which is sort of the same thing. It was the basic idea is that the company that has been producing the estrogen stuff that has been pushing the narrative that uh, estrogen and menstruation causes uh, pantherism and therefore murders right. uh, has has apologized to it. And they've sent everybody a letter they have to sign so they can get a monetary refund of like 200 bucks or five or whatever and a bunch of coupons for different goods and services. Right. And it's it's very uh, 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 silly. And it is very, like you have to really like this book to spend five bucks on this thing. Right. Which is, you know, uh, uh, what's the, when something is self, uh, indulgent, uh, but it was fun and well done. And I, I actually really did enjoy it. Like in, so in, in contrast to previous and I was like, what is this? And maybe that's because that was a regular issue and I wanted to see what the next part of the story was. But after the fact is sort of a little piece of, ephemera that goes along with it. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. They were always really well done and clever. Yes. Yep, but absolutely. It was just, a, do I want to be reading this or do I want to be reading the story? That's Chelsea Kane uh, and Leah Mitternich, uh designing that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was a little fun diversion. I, I enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, it was, it was you know, high satire uh, and, and very clever. Daredevil 19 is notable because it's the return of Marco Cicchetto, who was the original artist in this volume with Chip Zdarsky. And uh, now we have the big war in Hell's Kitchen in which Crossbones and Bullseye and Rhino and the other dude are wrecking havoc. And no one's doing anything about it because the rich people, the super rich people who are really in charge of the city have forbade the policemen involving themselves in it. And so the the residents of Hell's Kitchen, who all have their own Daredevil masks, have decided to take the matters in their own hands. I, I, I thought this was great. This book's turned itself around, and Chiquetto's art is the magic ingredient. I mean, Jorge Fornas is amazing, and there's been some good art in it, but there's also been some bad art. And But this this really made it sing. Um, the hipster cops all got blowed up, which was funny. And um, You got, got a lot of good people getting blown up this week. And... Uh, the 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 nun who has been counseling Daredevil this whole time, or Matt Murdock, has been revealed to be Typhoid Mary. That was less interesting to me, just because I don't really know who that is. But I always picture, um, whenever I see her, I picture like that um, that Matt Wagner sort of, you know, like early nineties, yeah. eighties hair. I'm like, Ugh. but uh, maybe she's a great character. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she's a Daredevil deep cut for. She's not a casual fan. Daredevil. Well. You know, in that, that, that really is, that's what we've been talking about. You know, I was like, please stop giving me bullseye all the time. They're like, all right, here, I can't complain about it. So let's see where it goes. I mean, she's revealed at the same page that includes bullseye in, I, yeah. su- I assume that's bullseye and not some, some terrible bullseye cosplay. But gotta, gotta tell you, uh, you know, we, we can sing Jorge Fornes, uh, praises from up on high and we will again, but that was a terrible daredevil design. Marco Cicchetto kind of dialed it down where it wasn't quite as offensive. I mean, bullseye. Bullseye. That's what I meant. It's just, it is just, it's, I mean, it's comparatively really bad to the original. And also, as I said before, strange considering when he showed up in Valkyrie, he was wearing the original costume. But, well, that's how this goes. That's because there's just no one's, no one's in charge. No, no one, there's nothing. Makes nothing sense. makes sense. It doesn't matter. So it's, I, I just thought it looked great. Chiquetto brings a lot of energy to the 
pages. There's just a lot of chaos and debris everywhere, and there's fire and smoke and ash, and it feels like a very um, lived in. I use a lot, but it feels like a world when he's drawing it. It feels like a full environment. Yeah, it feels like the you know the Miller you know did you know Hell's Kitchen. You're, and I'm just you're waiting for Kingpin now to, to finally do something because he is still forlornly catatonic looking at the world because he had his balls cut off mm-hmm. so uh, i like this issue a lot uh yeah and then i i uh, you said it but i i was also assuming you did not read marvel number one yeah i mean the thing is we talked about the marvel marvel's um issue the epilogue that came out over the summer last summer and i loved it i love marvels it's one of my favorite books of all time but much like star wars i like it small I don't need 15 spinoffs. I don't need other people's take on Marvels. Kurt Busiek, Alex Ross, Marvels. Everything, anything else to me, I don't really care about. Yeah. So this is like a – it was like a little anthology. And I I just – I don't know. I just read it. I didn't have a sure, lot of books this week. Sure. Part of it. I'm not, um, I'm not complaining much like Star Wars. If you want to enjoy it, go you, enjoy it. You've got two shorts here basically. There's some – some uh, framing story that I don't understand at all uh, being written and drawn by Alex Ross and his partner, uh, Steve Darnell, whose name I don't know. Um, but you got the the first is a little Spider-Man story by Frank Espinosa um, and with, I guess, dialogue by Sajan Saini, whatever, whoever that is. Um, he But otherwise, he wrote and drew this story. Uh, and it's really good looking. It's a really sort of uh, very stylized I'd seen his work before on stuff, uh, an image, I believe. Um, I didn't love the story. It was a whole thing about how web flu is important. And at a certain point, Mary Jane's like, we're spending too much on web fluid. And then she sees that he almost gets his ass kicked because he goes out and tries to do stuff without web fluid. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, it's fine. Get more web fluid. Mm-hmm. And then the second story, the second story is really the reason I'm talking about this. Um, well, the other one looked good. This is a script by Kurt Busick. Um, uh, art by Steve Rude, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a uh, s- 60s era, like second Avengers team after mm-hmm. Captain America arrives and Hulk is gone. Um, and Rick Jones is with the Avengers, and they're talking about the Hulk, and and the Hulk shows up and starts smashing everybody, and uh, thinks that you know, like Rick's his only friend, so he needs to take them away. And Rick is sort of, you know, he's torn. He really cares about the Hulk, but he recognizes it's dangerous. And Avengers are all telling him what to do. And it's, it's a, just a great little Kurt Busiek, Silver Age Avengers uh, short. You know, it was it was really fun. And it, and it looked awesome because Steve Rude does that stuff really, well, really get, well. You don't get Steve Rude very often. It, it was it was a great little short. You, I think you'd probably enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I just don't know what makes it Marvels for Marvel. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. it like, doesn't matter. It's just. Kurt Busiek, you know, who him and Mark Wade, you know, they can do no wrong with the Silver Age characters and settings. So so those are the books we wanted to talk about. If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboys, we mentioned earlier, any patron who joins up at any level can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, it was a tie between Billionaire Island number one and Strange Adventures number one. I think both books were probably going to make the rundown anyway. Seems like it. So we had a coin flip in Billionaire Island one. Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, the team behind the Flintstones, our, our book of the year, however many years ago that was. And we talked in the past about the spectrum of Mark Russell. 
where you have like Red Sonja on one end, you have like Wonder Twins in the middle, and then as you get further to the other side, you get books like uh, what was the one, the uh, the cat one, the cat one, yeah. Oh, Snagglepuss, Snagglepuss, and the Flintstones, and Billionaire Island I think lives firmly on that side of the spectrum, in which yeah. it allows Mark <laughs> Russell to do uh, a lot of social political and economic commentary as in 2044 uh, with climate change and political unheaval unrest that upheaval three words that I turned into four um, and migrant crisis the billionaires have created their own island and society and uh, there is pr- problems that come from that I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the first problem is that on the cover of this book, much like trying to promote Chew, it says, from the writer of Second Coming. <laughs> and I was like, you need to lead with another thing. Well, it's a Hoy Comics. I know, but Jesus. <laughs> like, you, use what you got. Yeah. Uh, not a great cover, by the way. Just, no. Like, really kind of awful. Um, that being said, uh, I, I, I enjoyed the issue. It was peak Russell. <laughs> you know, we, we had talked before what he does when he creates his own thing versus uh, working with uh, a an established property that he sort of bends to his will. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this was fairly successful in that. Like he built a little world here. Um, you could easily see the Wonder Twins being part of it, but they didn't need to be. And I didn't feel like he was missing. Um, and then you've got sort of this like Punisher type character <laughs> who's coming for him. Um, right, so this the, we're introduced to this guy who's cr- this, this tech billionaire who's created Billionaire Island. He's we're watching his his sales pitch as this. We're just going to call him the Punisher. Uh, has another billionaire tied up in his bedroom uh, because he was in charge of F- AgroCorp, which was feeding migrants or other people who couldn't you know afford to feed themselves and he was uh it was humanitarian aid but it was laced with chemicals that caused sterilization because they wanted to reduce the population because there wasn't enough food for everybody and the problem with that and this was all secret though when this was happening and the problem with that was it was a small portion of the population that had a gene that interacted with the chemical badly and caused them to hemorrhage and die and this the punisher's wife and daughter both had that gene and so they both died and so now he's out for revenge on the billionaires who kill his family and also are ruining the world. And that was all fine and good. But to me, the meat of it was like the journalist who goes to interview the guy, the main billionaire and gets <laughs> gets put into the waiting room, which is a bunch of other people. There's like a giant, giant. hamster wheel and a, yes, it is. And a giant hamster, you know, the, the hamster feeding bottle and. <laughs> and one woman thinks it's a corporate test and she's going to be promoted when she gets through it. And That was the very best part of that scene was like they cut to her and she thinks it's part of her training and she's going with it. But then later they show, they throw money at them and they're all like, ooh, money. <laughs> well, it's payday. And they drop yeah. a bunch of $100 bills and then they're just they're – just, and the other guy's like, why – she's like, why are you why are you grabbing money? You, you're, you've been living in this cage for years. She's like, you're missing the point. They would be paying if they weren't going to let us out eventually. And it's just, it was just all very, it was all very, it, uh, that's a, that's a fine bit of worker satire. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is right up there. Um, even the hipster you know, guy who's, who doesn't go for the money, uh, grabs one bit and puts it in his pocket. Yeah. That was, that was a really nice bit of cartooning, actually. Yeah. You're right. He calls them sellouts and then he grabs some of the money and puts it in his pocket very quietly. 
I mean, that's that's also that's, real that's also good commentary. Yes, it is. Yeah. I I mean this this is I'm excited because this is this is sort of peak, as you said, peak Russell. And uh, I think you're it's, right. It's better it's better when he takes a, co- a property like Flintstones, like Snagglepuss, like Wonder Twins. But um, I, I think this was really well done. Obviously, and Steve Pugh is terrific, which is a nice nice change of pace. Yeah, and it's good to see them back together. I, I actually hadn't put that together. I was I was looking at both their names. I was like, why is this? What is what is this getting for me? And that, and that was it. Flintstones. A lot of comics been around since then, and I it's I it, I'm an asshole for forgetting that Steve Pugh drew drew that. So he drew most, of it, probably seventy five percent of it. But yeah, yeah. Mainly. It, I mean, so this is a miniseries, I assume, and uh, we'll find out as you know. Billionaire Island is uh, it, it can rise up with the sea. It, it can move around, so you can't find it if, if you're the law of your authorities. And um, it's got the Pina Colada Bank, and obviously there's going to be some trouble here because all oh, the, the Punisher's coming for them. So obviously, but still, it was good. It was fun. I was uh, you know th- thank you patrons would have read it anyway, but but you know good on you. So this is what we have to look forward to in 20 years. I, I mean, that, that's optimistic. Not that far off. So there I you mean, go. The, <laughs> you're thinking that, that it'll be, there'll be opportunity for it. So know. we have to rate, rate this. Uh, so ratings on Billionaire Ratings. Island. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. And we are sticking with it. Yep. All right, there you go. So patreon.com slash ifanboy. If you give at any level, you can vote to add a book to the rundown, but at the $5 or higher level, you get to your own superpower live on the show, like these people. James Upton, and I was like, did he write a book? No, uh, that's a different, that's a, it's a very authorial, authorial kind of name. James anyway, Upton. James James Upton has the power of a large mole and he can burrow quickly. So if, <laughs> he's, if he's standing around somewhere and he's frightened, he could just dig down. He burrows into the ground when frightened. Yeah, quickly. It's not like, you know, he's got to get tools and sort of break through the layer. Right. Just, oh, like a cartoon <laughs> mole, you know? Right. And there's there's that trail. Sure. Yeah. Um, Michael Delorme, uh, whenever he emerges from any body of water, so like a lake or or a ri- or a ocean or a river or even the shower, mm-hmm. he does so looking like Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. Oh, in the little shorts? Yeah. Like the whole body, he's Daniel Craig. Yeah, and then he when until he dry, he's dry until he dries off, and then he is back to being uh, Michael. That is that's going to lead to a disappointed significant other, <laughs> male, female, whatever that person is. They're going to go. Uh, uh. And it's only emerging, so it's not yeah. like he's in the water. He's Daniel Craig from Christina Royale in the tiny shorts. He just when he when he goes from the water to the air, it changes. Right. So. Live it up until you dry up. I mean, he's going to make everybody question everything they thought about themselves. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. All right. Dave. (laughs) Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Dave Schweitzer uh, can morph into any character that Gary Oldman has played. So he can he can be it, it transforms completely into it. It's. For all intents and purposes, it's Gary Oldman standing there, but it's one of Gary Oldman's characters, so it could be 
the fifth element Gary Oldman. It could be right. uh, true romance uh, dreadlock drug dealer Gary Oldman. It could be the professional everyone right. way over the top Gary Oldman. James or Gordon. it could be yeah James Gordon, Winston Churchill. Um, he can be any of those people at will. Just uh, just that's that's he's still himself in his head though. Yes. Okay. But he takes on the physical form of Gary Oldman film characters. Seth Maki. Seth Maki? Machi? Machi? Maki. Could go either way. Seth can speak every language on the planet, but he does so in the most stereotypically offensive accent. <laughs> ah, mamma mia, pinano, ragione, mozzarella. That's even less stereotypical than he sounds. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like he's making fun of it, but he's not. That's just how he talks when he speaks every ex- every language. He's, he's not going to want to go to Asia. It's a bad <laughs> Or anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. So, every, so everyone thinks he's making fun of them, but he's not. Ew, gabna. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a language, but yes, that, that was, that was, that's kind of the idea. I'm going with dialect. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go sign up for the, to uh, support the show at the $5 or higher level. Get your own superpower on the show. James, Michael, Dave, and Seth, thank you. And I'm going to leave it to Josh, the producer, to decide if we're doing an email or not. All right. We're going to do these two. Okay. We're going to do the second one quickly. We're going to save the other one for the next show. Jason writes and says, I've got a very important question, gentlemen. Does Taskmaster have short sleeves and a V-neck, or are those areas of his costume just fleshy colored? So this question led me to start looking up some pictures of Taskmaster. Yeah. And and I believe that his question is flawed because for the most part, that part of the body that he's talking about on the classic, it's the classic Taskmaster, Taskmaster costume, yeah. which is sort of a blue and orangish thing. Nobody is the color that those arms would be. Yeah, he would have to be orange skinned. He would have to be the president's face <laughs> or but, the thing. Yeah, it's it's yes. So uh, that's a costume color. It's a I'm very strange sure. undershirt he's wearing, but it's got to be an undershirt unless he's orange, yeah. orange skinned. More importantly, I've spent more than I should have amount of time looking at Taskmaster action figures on eBay during this show. So the other thing to note, I'm looking at other uh, pictures of Taskmaster, is that the in some instances, the orange of that, that part of him matches the orange of the cape. Yes. So clearly that's a color choice in his... In his color, and also like the orange of his uh, belt and his, his leg leg things, yeah, and his uh, the the emblem on his shield, yeah. So he's clearly in love with that color orange and has an undershirt to match. It is the best, completely unimaginative costume. <laughs> Caps like boots. He's got a cloak like Doctor Doom. He's got a skull face like Skeletor or Red Skull. Red Skull. He's got a hood. He has a shield and a sword. He's got pouches about the the waist. There's nothing original or interesting about the character. Which makes sense in the context of a character who mimics Correct. everyone else. So there you go. A costume but fits the man. You put all that together, and it is a fantastic group of You got, you got yourself he, a stew. He has a bow and arrow, baby. <laughs> you got a stew. A superhero stew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 he's great. Yeah. He's great. None of this nonsense... I found one of them where it was like the updated Taskmaster. I was like, no. Yeah, I agree with your, your exclamation there. No. I feel like this is the comic industry sometimes is like a dog. You have to constantly say, no. <laughs> Bad dog. Up. Yeah. Lines on the flash? No. 
Nope. Like, Collars? What is, what is this Taskmaster from, from Joe Mad Aware 2002? What is that? That's terrible. He's all purple and white. He's got two yeah. guns. There's a DC Legends figure that is not good. Well, that wouldn't be him. Shininess. I'm sorry, not DC. A Marvel Legends. Black Widow Marvel Legends six-inch figure. You're, you're going to buy yourself a Taskmaster toy. I'm, I'm trying hard not to. I don't, because here's the thing. I have, like, some desire right now. I don't want that. Right. You know? But he has a shield and a sword and a bow and arrow and a big cape and Captain America boots and a hood and pouches. I love when he shows up because he's one of those characters, like, he's a bad guy, but it's kind of his job. He's like, listen, you know what do you want me to do? Right. He's uh, he's good. He's a good villain. He's a good boy. And he's he's uh. <laughs> hey, there's a new um. According to Sideshow's website, there's a new Marvel collectible coming to Sideshow, presenting the Taskmaster Premium Four Bat figure. This piece will be available for pre-order in the near future. Well, there you go. There you go, Josh. That's the one for you. That's I'm not. I I, I do like all action figures like this are now like. 20 bucks plus and the part of me that grew up in the early 80s with a three dollar action figure finds that offensive you know what i mean sure it's like it's like there was a period of time when i was in high school where the mcdonald's extra value meal was three dollars it was 2.99 right that is the base standard for a meal in my head (laughs) i know it's not realistic anymore but 20 dollars for a for a six inch action figure seems silly there's a really great Bowen Designs Taskmaster statue. Uh, that's a whole other level. I've never purchased a statue. I don't think. No? I have one that was I've given. bought a couple of the Batman black and white ones. Yeah. Those are, those are uh, uh, reserved. And by a couple, I mean two. Yeah. Well, literally that's what a couple, couple means. Yeah. Well, sometimes people say a couple and they mean like six, but I mean there's I only, literally mean two. There's only one statue. That's not true. There's two statues that I've ever wanted. Um, one is the, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, uh, Batman with Carrie on his shoulder. Mm, mm-hmm. It's, it's probably a super collector's item now, but I've known about it forever and it's one of my favorites. Um, the other, there is a, a Hawkeye, classic Hawkeye, and he's, he's pl- drawing his bow back and yes. then little Ant-Man is on the end of the arrow. I know that one. Yes. That's a uh, great one. That's beautiful. There's lots of them that are cool, but those are the only two I've ever like really thought about buying. Both involve little people on top of bigger people. <laughs> it's a metaphor for my life. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, so uh, thanks. let's get to the yeah. Are we doing the second one or are we just doing the first one? No, just do that one. That's that's All good right. for now. So thanks. Contact at fanboy.com. Thanks to Jason. And we got a lot of good emails this week. And we I've I've been admonished for letting the email segment uh, flounder, but we need to be better about. Um, we got to press on. What do you want to do? That's true. So what happened uh, this, this month, Josh? So uh, this is the excuses portion. Uh, I have a – I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I have a contact. She's, she's, been, she's been quite ill. And you had someone lined up for your talk explode, yep. and they got sick, and now they had to cancel. And, and so then, this is why you don't announce them before they're recorded. And we pushed it a week, and, and she's still quite ill. And right. so I said, that's cool. Let me know. I'm uh, working on another thing. I was going to do one in March anyway. So you, you, you'll get it. It's worth it. Uh, I, I don't really want to push it too far to start over. Uh, when she's feeling better, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to her. And then I'm going to have another one that is scheduled. 
It's on the books. Uh, you should have it next week. We've lost completely the thread of the schedule on these. As far as I'm concerned, if at the end of the day all debts are paid. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, we have a book split. When is the next book split? Is it April? It should be this month. No, it should be this March. month. We, we just did yeah. Batman. That's what I mean. I don't know what's happening anymore. We've we lost did Batman thread. late. So we have to do a Batman new- was supposed to be January. Are you Wait. sure? Yes. Because, okay, because Toxplode was supposed to be December. Right. And then January was Booksplode, and we just couldn't get it together, and we put it out in early February. So then February would have been Toxplode, but there was an illness, not coronavirus as far as I know. So we have one, two, three more weeks in March, and we have to have a Booksplode, the media show, there's an animated show, and maybe a Toxplode. Tell you one thing. We're not getting all those in in March. I'm telling you that right now. So that uh, that's the only promise I'm making. Just that that's we, we have to have a meeting. Not right now. All all debts will be paid. Okay. All debts will be paid. So we need to figure out what the next book's blood show is because we've got to read it in like two weeks. The next book's blood book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because I because I love not ever being able to read books I want to read. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, Yikes. So I mentioned last week I, I gave you some information on the Tripwire Awards. This will be the last time I talk about it on the show, but the notes will the, the, the link will stay in the bottom of the uh, show notes until the voting period ends. But for a long you, voting period. This is like the American primary system. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz Revolution Volume 1 is in the best collection category. I worked on that book, and if you would consider voting for it in the Tripwire Awards, anyone can vote in, within the sound of our voice. The link is in, our, in the show notes. The winners will be announced May 2nd at Portsmouth Comic Con, and you can vote until April 30th. And so that, that'll be the last time I talk about it in the show, but I will keep the link there until the end of uh, April. Well, all right, all right, all where right. Are those, where are those notes? They're at ifanboy.com, where you can find all of our various podcasts. Uh, Josh's last Talksplode, our last Booksplode, which is Neil, Batman by Neil Adams, book three. You can find all the shows there. Uh, it's all fun. You can find what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy and following at ifanboy on Twitter. And I found where comics on Instagram is where you can find the, uh, those that information plus the best of the week in panels feature. And you can follow us individually at CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. If you like this show, it's a thing you dig, and you think, God, I want this to continue. Well, that's it's a little bit on you, listener, dear listener. Um, tell people about it. Post about it on the internet. Leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever aggregator lets you do that. You can leave us a Yelp review. I don't think we're on Yelp. Don't Somebody start up a, a can, can you do a podcast review on Yelp? I don't know, maybe. I don't I don't believe so. I think the better uh, way is to become an eccentric benefactor. I I mean that is literally the best way. If you all if you all became eccentric benefactors, you, oh, would, man. you would alleviate a lot of stress in our lives. I w- I was about to say the show would get better. <laughs> but let's be realistic, you know, it would continue. You know, I, like, I would make a concerted effort to try to be better. Oh, no. Connor absolutely would. <laughs> Connor, Connor would try to make it better. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of an improv kind of character. I'm like, all right, put the mic on. Let's see what happens. Right. That's going to be the best you get. Sure. Uh, uh, yes, but eccentric benefactors are welcome. Uh, that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, thanks for everybody who does any of that. I don't, I, don't, I, 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 every once in a while, I want to make sure that you, we are genuinely 
uh, uh, impressed and touched uh, and grateful. Yeah, and the, the, does. the red alert alarm went off when that happened. We, and we couldn't believe yeah. it. It was the same thing that uh, happened when someone did it for Goodfellas Minute. We were like, what? The Commandant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it means we're doing something right, which is good. I hope so. All right, so that that's going to do it for this show. Uh, it was fun. I'm glad I'm back. Uh, I'm glad it was a pretty light week of comics. I'm glad that many of them were good. Yes, you got you got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All well, right. Then good night, all. Yeah. So we're done. Fine. It's, it's 15 years still can't end the show. <laughs> <laughs>